0: That's staying
1: in. It <laughs> better not. Excuse me. I'm very sorry. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and that you can't don't be saving that stuff, Larry. Do not be saving that stuff. Okay. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 418. Mid July, man. Where's the time going? July 15th, 2020. Tax day. It's 102 degrees on this day in 1988 and as chilly as 49 degrees on this day in 1912. Back in 1988, the kids would have been swimming on weed-free beaches, courtesy of Aquaside. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake. It's Garage Logic, with Rookie on Production, Chris Revers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny From the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushire. I have a uh, message that might be of particular interest to the members of the Royal Order of the 21sters. Oh no. Today when I went outside to retrieve the newspapers... I stopped, I tilted my head up, and I took a big sniff. Oh, no, not yet. And I detected fall in the air. No, Mm -hmm. not yet. This will happen. This happens, as the members of the Royal Order are keenly aware. We have special olfactory obligations (laughs) to record such things. And as uh, early as February, I can get a whiff of spring, and you'll recall why that came up on the show a month or so ago it's because uh there is a distinct whiff of spring on the air and that's caused by some activity undertaken by a, a, a species of worms they they churn up the soil or whatever if yeah, you recall we got, that. we
0: got an email from someone yeah, that's yeah. that
1: very thing you're right and uh so I, I offered that to you uh knuckleheads so you could quit mocking me about my my uh uh, smelling spring in february maybe as early as january I smelled it but certainly me, i have it february
2: we guess it only made it the mocking worse didn't it oh it yeah did. yeah it did. for sure it did. for sure
1: but today i just went oh man what what that, is the smell of fall it just it's just it's a personal thing chris uh i don't know really what to how to describe <laughs> it to you but i could tell from okay, my sure. years and years and years of wisdom on this orb i could say oh nuts man that's Fall I'm smelling. Because
0: I equate it with, you know, like uh, dried up leaves. That's
1: what All I All right, well, maybe fall. this will help you. All right. It smelled this morning. It was very coolish. It smelled yeah. this morning like a late September morning or an early October morning. Yeah. On a late September morning or early October morning when you knew the weather was going to be glorious that day. Oh. In other words, I'm not claiming that fall is here. I'm claiming with absolute certainty that I smelled it. It's, it's in the wings. It's in the wings. That's all I'll say on the matter. <laughs> you're nuts. I know. Uh, David Downing says, I haven't heard your report on Comet Neowise yet. Neowise oh, yet. Oh,
0: that's true. Yeah. Yes. I, Got any advice
1: on how the rest of us can get a good look at it, too? He's giving me a little needle there because he knows damn well I haven't seen <laughs> you're that You're not going to see anything. I've never seen it. You kidding me? Huh? All right, I want to read to you. Uh, I've got some uh, connections to make here about how rapidly we're we're swirling in the wrong direction in this country. Uh, This cancel culture is an insidious, insidious movement. Uh, and it's winning. And if I understand it correctly, uh, you guys help me because you're more uh, apt to be social media savants than I am. I think it's essentially driven by Twitter. Isn't that would that be right? Twitter, sure. Facebook. Twitter, Twitter
0: and Facebook. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: And, and so, well, here's a, a, a female columnist for The New York Times named Barry Weiss, B-A-R-I. I, I'm unfamiliar with her work and I shouldn't be. Uh, Because prior to joining the New York Times, she was with the Wall Street Journal editorial pages. And in about 2017, she joined the New York Times. She's well regarded. And uh, in fact, now that I I read what I'm about to read to you, I will go back and look up some of her columns. Now, for all I know, she was an unsigned editorialist at the time. So maybe that's why I never knew if I was reading a woman named Barry Weiss or not. She's only in her 30s. uh, And she has resigned from the New York Times. And she starts her letter, Dear—I'm reading this because I think it's terribly important to understand. See, another reason I might not be familiar with her is I've I've pretty much, with the exception of my guy, on a few winter Sundays giving me a free Sunday New York Times, uh, sheepishly because he was delivering the paper so late. Uh, I don't buy the New York Times, and I don't read the New York Times because I don't trust the New York Times.
0: And that would usually be because he was at the gas station filling up on a couple couple of roller dogs. dogs. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So that could be another reason why I'm unfamiliar with Barry Weiss. Uh, dear A.G., meaning uh, Arthur, whatever his name is, Schultz, Schultzberger, Schulzberger, the publisher, It is with sadness that I write to tell you that I am resigning from the New York Times. I joined the paper with gratitude and optimism three years ago. I was hired with the goal of bringing in voices that would not otherwise appear in your pages. First-time writers, centrists conservatives, and others who would not actually think of the Times as their home. The reason for this effort was clear. The paper's failure to anticipate the outcome of the 2016 election meant that it didn't have a firm grasp of the country it covers. Dean Bequet and others have admitted as much on various occasions. The priority in opinion was to help redress that critical shortcoming. I was honored to be part of that effort, led by James Bennett. I am proud of my work as a writer and as an editor. Among those I helped bring to our pages the Venezuelan dissident Wooly Artiaga, the Iranian chess champion Dorsa Derek and the Hong Kong Christian Democrat Derek Lamb. Also IN Hersey Ali, Masih Alanjad, Zaina Arafat, Elena Baker, Rachel Den Hollander, Maddie Friedman, Nicholas B. Heather Haying, Robert Randall Kennedy, Julius Klein, Monica Lewinsky, Glenn Lowry, uh, it was interesting cat Jesse single Ollie Sufan, Chloe, okay, you get the idea. She brought a lot of people to the editorial pages. But the lessons that ought to have followed the election, lessons about the importance of understanding other Americans, the necessity of resisting tribalism and the centrality of the free exchange of ideas to a democratic society, have not been learned here. Instead, a new consensus has emerged in the press, but perhaps especially at this paper, that truth is not a process of collective discovery, but an orthodoxy already known to an enlightened few whose job is to inform everyone else. Twitter is not the masthead is not on the masthead of the New York Times, but Twitter has become its ultimate editor, as the ethics and mores of that platform have become those of the paper. The paper itself has increasingly become a kind of performance space. stories are chosen and told in a way to satisfy the narrowest of audiences rather than to allow a curious public to read about the world and then draw their own conclusions. I was always taught that journalists were charged with writing the first rough draft of history. Now history itself is one more ephemeral thing molded to fit the needs of a predetermined narrative. Isn't she nailing this? My own forays into my own forays into wrongthink have made me the subject of constant bullying by colleagues who disagree with my views. They have called me a Nazi and a racist. I've learned to brush off comments about how I'm writing about the Jews again. Several colleagues perceived to be friendly with me were badgered by co-workers. My work and my character are openly demeaned on company-wide Slack channels where masthead editors regularly weigh in. There some co-workers insist I need to be rooted out of this co- if this country, if this company is to be a truly inclusive one. Catch the irony there while others post axe emojis next to my name. Still other New York Times employees publicly smear me as a liar and a bigot on Twitter with no fear that harassing me will be met with appropriate action. They never are. There are terms for all of this. Unlawful discrimination, hostile work environment, and constructive discharge. I'm no legal expert. But I know that this is wrong. I do not understand how you have allowed this kind of behavior to go on inside your company in full view of the paper's entire staff and public. And I certainly can't square how you and other Times leaders have stood by while simultaneously praising me in private for my courage. Showing up for work as a a centrist at an American newspaper should not require bravery. Part of me wishes I could say that my experience was unique, but the truth is that intellectual curiosity let alone risk-taking, is now a liability at the Times. Why edit something challenging to our readers or write something bold only to go through the numbing process of making it ideologically kosher when we can assure ourselves of job security and clicks by publishing our 4,000th op-ed arguing that Donald Trump is a unique danger to the country and the world. And so self-censorship here has become the norm. What rules that remain at the Times are applied with extreme selectivity? If a person's ideology is in keeping with the new orthodoxy, they and their work remain unscrutinized. Everyone else lives in fear of the digital thunderdome. Online venom is excused so long it is, it is directed at the proper targets. Op-eds that would have been easily published just two years ago would now get an editor or writer in serious trouble if not fired. If a piece is perceived as likely to inspire backlash internally or on social media, the editor or writer avoids pitching it. If she feels strongly enough to suggest it, she is quickly steered to safer ground. And if every now and then she succeeds in getting a piece published that does not explicitly promote progressive causes, it happens only after every line is carefully massaged, negotiated, and caveated. It took the paper two days and two jobs to say that the Tom Cotton op-ed fell short of our stand. We attach an editor's note on a travel story about Jaffa shortly after it was published because it failed to touch on important aspects of Jaffa's makeup and its history. But there is still none appended to Cheryl Strayed's fawning interview with the writer Alice Walker, a proud anti-Semite who believes in lizard Illuminati. The paper of record is, more and more, the record of those living in a distant galaxy, one whose concerns are profoundly removed from the lives of most people— That's echoing the salon. I hope you're all catching the the links here. No kidding. This is a galaxy in which to choose just a few recent examples. The Soviet space program is lauded for its diversity. The doxing of teenagers in the name of justice is condoned, and the worst caste systems in human history includes the United States along Nazi Germany. Even now, I am confident that most people at the times do not hold these views, yet they are cowed by those who do. Why? Perhaps because they believe the ultimate goal is righteous, perhaps because they believe they will be granted protection if they nod along as the coin of our realm, language, is degraded in service to an ever-shifting laundry list of right causes, perhaps because there are millions of unemployed people in this country and they feel lucky to have a job in a contracting industry, or perhaps because they know that nowadays standing up for a principal at the paper does not win plaudits. It puts a target on your back. Too wise to post on Slack, they write to me privately about the new McCarthyism that has taken root at the paper of record. All this bodes ill, especially for independent-minded young writers and editors paying close attention to what they'll have to do to advance in their careers. Rule one, speak your mind at your own peril. Rule two, never risk commissioning a story that goes against the narrative. Rule three, never believe an editor or publisher who urges you to go against the grain. Eventually, the publisher will cave to the mob, the editor will get fired or reassigned, and you'll be hung out to dry. For these young writers and editors, there is one consolation. At places like the Times and other once great journalistic institutions betray their standards and lose sight of their principles, Americans still hunger for news that is accurate, opinions that are vital, and debate that is sincere. I hear from these people every day. An independent press is not a liberal ideal or a progressive ideal or a democratic ideal. It's an American ideal, you said a few years ago, meaning the publisher of the Times. I couldn't agree more. America is a great country that deserves a great newspaper. None of this means that some of the most talented journalists in the world don't still labor for this newspaper. They do, which is what makes the illiberal environment especially heartbreaking. I will be, as ever a dedicated reader of their work, but I can no longer do the work that you brought me here to do, the work that Adolph Oakes described in that famous 1896 statement, to make of the columns of the New York Times a forum for the consideration of all questions of public importance, and to that end, to invite intelligent discussion from all shades of opinion. Oaks' idea is one of the best I've encountered. I've always comforted myself with the notion that the best ideas win out, but ideas cannot win on their own. They need a voice. They need a hearing. Above all, they must be backed by people willing to live by them. Sincerely, Barry.
2: amen and amen.
1: Wow. She's, she, I don't think I have to paraphrase anything she said. She's terribly articulate and wrote that piece very well, but You know, if you want to cut it down to a few simple sentences, she's she's, the most interesting part to me is that paper has stopped understanding America.
0: Perfectly. Yeah. 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 Perfectly stated.
1: That paper has stopped understanding me. That paper has uh, stopped understanding you. They've focused on basically half of the country. Not even that. They focused, well, I guess half, but they focused, they, they believe themselves to be so terribly woke. That they're now dismissive of anything that that, that would, doesn't that fall that in lockstep. Your... Yep, yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly how the entire left is
0: at this point. Yep, mm-hmm. you're right, Kenny. If you're not on board with them, you're you're not worthy. Do you guys? Um, do you guys ever read Jason Whitlock? I have. Okay, I, I just I'm a fan of him personally. I don't always agree with him, but I just I really like the way he writes. And he wrote about Barry. Um, and he posted this on his Twitter account about ten minutes ago. I'll retweet it for people that want to read it. Here's the caption. It's just a quick paragraph. New York Times is a mega church of Trump hate. Yep. Barry Weiss thought she could join the church and teach from a New Testament that focused on the redemptive power of love and truth. Instead, her colleagues stoned her in Slack chats. And nailed her to the Twitter
1: cross. Isn't uh, the that guy is she, so perfectly stated? The guy she mentioned, Robert Bennett, isn't he the guy who had to quit because he allowed that uh, Tom, yes. th- that editorial to appear? Yeah, because yes. you
0: brought that up yeah. a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm.
1: It's uh, no longer the paper of record. Uh, it hasn't been for some time. It's a it's a shame. It's a shame. The Pioneer Press, as shrunken as it is. Is more a paper of record than the New York Times, and I mean that quite literally true. So is the Star Tribune, for that matter. Sure. They're more a record uh, of the Times than the New York Times. It's a, it's a sad, sad situation because everybody my age, whoever entered the field of journalism, that was their goal, a work at the New York Times. They could offer me $5 million a year right now to write a once-a-week column, and I wouldn't take it. Um, and I'm not kidding. Uh, I'm not kidding. Way. Well, maybe I'll take it. If uh, I can do we it from don't here. Know yeah. that. <laughs> no, my, no, no, no. What I, what I mean to say is it, 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 if you're a GLer and a talented young journalism graduate, uh, you won't be wanting to work for the New York Times. The terribly woke young journalism graduates will. But if you're a GL'er, why in the hell would you put yourself into that ringer? And they're not there to—they're not there to distill all opinions. They're not there for for a marketplace of ideas. They're only there for their ideas. It's a, just a crying
0: shame. You're right. And think about the the 21 year old that does aspire to be a great writer and might, you know, not fall in lockstep with the ideas of the New York Times and and those. That, that will just be squashed because they won't be heard.
1: And that's well, such a shame. It's a it's a, a complicated problem. Uh, journalism in general, meaning print journalism in a daily newspaper, is, uh, is rapidly fading from American culture, and it will do us great, great harm. It'll do us just as much harm to be absent of newspapers as the New York Times is by still being present. Uh, George Latimer, mm. the former mayor, uh, recommended uh, a New York Times piece that I read, uh, only because he recommended it to me, and it was the uh, the story of the dying of the Pottstown Potsdown Mercury, the newspaper in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. And, uh, astonishingly enough, I learned that it was owned by a hedge fund company, and that the hedge fund company that owns the Pioneer Press was also trying to acquire the Pottstown Mercury, but lost out. The Pioneer Press is owned by an Oh, I almost said the almost said a word that could cost us our, our, our podcast. Thank
0: you for not doing that. She'll the do
1: that. The uh, Pioneer Press is owned by Alden Capital, and uh, it's some multi billionaire with four or five homes in Palm Beach, Florida, and elsewhere around the world. It has zero interest in uh, local journalism. And so they buy these things, these these capital these vultures buy these papers and then they a terrible word, they harvest them. They harvest every nickel and dime they can get out of it and basically by the time they're done plucking the tree dry, if you still have a functioning paper and they can make a nickel, they say, "Okay, keep going. Just keep sending me the check." But he's already reaped his profits. And now you're left with a with a skeleton crew trying to put out a daily newspaper.
0: And hence, why Carter has a cabinet of twenty two people I'm not seeing
1: well, that analogy how, well you
0: you've made that analogy on well, the but show. what's that got to do with the paper because it's not being covered you said that oh, there oh always oh, used to I be... get.
1: yes I get what you mean yes, yes, well, there used to be a fully staffed city bureau we had a we had an office with six seven reporters in city hall. you think uh you think back in the day uh norm coleman or or george latimer was was getting away with uh, these unparalleled constant hiring of people with meaningless job titles didn't happen it did not happen because they were being watched is taylor the sole
2: owner of the star tribune yeah how many newspapers like that have
1: one owner Hmm. boy that's a great question because i gotta think that's in terrible terrible minority of newspapers would be owned by one guy Or one gal. I just think that'd be a. It's it's interesting. You could Google it. How many newspapers are owned by a single, uh, a a single figurehead?
2: And does Glenn
1: have any editorial input at all? Uh, uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say he could if he wanted to, but I'm going to suspect that he doesn't. And do we know his politics? I don't know his politics. I just have this tremendous sense that the Star Tribune got really really lucky that he decided to save it.
2: Well.
1: Well, I think I, his I think his daughter is in a very important position. Uh she might is, certainly weigh in on editorial content. Hearst still a, a thing? I don't know. I don't know. Um
0: I I can't find that but I did find a very troubling story. You ready for this headline? Yeah. No. One company will own one in six newspapers in the U.S. by the year 2022. Hmm. What company will that be? This is uh, New Media Gatehouse announced a merger with Gannett today, meaning one in every six newspapers in the U.S. Oh, I'm sorry. This was dated in August of 2019 because it said two years from now. So, Hmm. wow, that's frightening.
1: Holy cow. Well, uh, you know, these hedge funds that go and buy newspapers, they, they, they're only doing it to see if they can't just pick a little more meat off the bone and then you're just kind of cast aside. And As I say, if you, if you're generating enough income, uh, I suppose they leave you alone. They don't, but I, I, uh, I have nothing good to say about Alden Capital, obviously, and, uh. What they're up to, because they're up to no good. You don't think they're downloading the podcast to catch in on their employee? I doubt it. Okay. I doubt it. And then this news about the New York Times is just, it's, it's not even disheartening. It's finally corroborative evidence of what we've known for the last couple of years. Well, let's put it this way. It's what we've known since the election of Trump. They didn't understand how that could happen. They didn't understand. Remember the phrase we used to have, and that's why Trump got elected. Yep. They didn't understand that that the, those dynamics that went along with that phrase, and that's why Trump got elected. Because people well, are tired of this woke BS. They
2: still don't understand it, and the whole the left doesn't understand it. Right.
1: In they fact,
0: don't. who was the? Because
1: um, the left, Kenny, has turned their back on America.
0: You're right. They have. And who was the uh, who was the celebrity? Because we talked about it on this show that said because you know Trump won, you know Hillary won the popular vote, uh, and then they said, well, we need to get rid of the electorate system because only the yeah. the larger cities yeah. are the only ones that matter anyway. Yeah, right. if you
1: get rid of the electoral college, you will be governed only by the two coasts, and and middle America will quite literally be forgotten and suffer the consequences of having to pay for the failed experiment that's that's in the wings. A Joe Biden presidency would be a terrible, terrible experience. A $2 trillion climate change plan? Come on, we're
0: going to be carbon-free, or, Joe. We're
1: $23 trillion in debt. Oh, by the way, have you read the... Uh, I'm amazed at how I can keep my mind in control.
2: So are we. Yeah, Joe, you're a you're a hell of a guy. <laughs>
1: have you read about this? Let me call it up. Let me call it up because I did the sense when uh, we have a terrible heat in the Southwest, and we're getting this. Uh, here's a picture of a of, of a uh, the skull of a. A, a, a cow on the hot desert sun. Death Valley could hit 130 degrees hot temperature ever recorded. Well, that's not true. If you read the story, and it shows you where. Uh, if you read the story, you'll discover that the hottest was 134 degrees in And sorry, in 1913. Ooh, 1913. But what? What? But now these these woke meteorologists are saying, well, that can't be right. They must have made a mistake. Uh, It couldn't have been 134 degrees in 1913. B.S. Why couldn't it have been? (laughs) A 2016 analysis by weather historian Christopher Burt argued that the 1913 record is essentially not possible from a meteorological perspective. <laughs> well, think of that sentence. It doesn't make any sense. But 130 degrees today would be possible because sure. of a meteorological perspective. Sure. So this is meaningless. It gets hot in Death Valley. I got a little clue for you. Why do you think it's called Death Valley?
0: That's because it gets bastards. hot. You
1: can die in the heat there. <laughs>
2: The Dust Bowl didn't happen, Sue. So it just, it
1: just it no, couldn't have no, happened. It no.
2: Just, uh, no.
1: Have you noticed every weather record, but but eight out of the last 10 weather hottest records have been from the 30s right here in Minnesota? Mm-hmm. I have
2: noticed that. Uh,
1: swimming is the answer to relief from that. There's no lakes sure in is. Death Valley, but uh, there's plenty of lakes in Minnesota, and if their beaches are free of weeds, they've been using Aquaside. Aquaside has been helping people maintain Great Lake shores for years with a complete line of lake and pond control products that take care of everything from weeds to algae and that that spooky unidentified vegetation. Aquaside products are easy to use; they work right away. These products are registered with both the EPA and DNR, and they're safe for you, the fish, and your family. So, you ain't got no excuse. You don't need to let weeds overtake your lake or pond or the old swimming hole this summer. Call Aquaside today, a White Bear Lake company. They'll help you identify your weed problem and make sure your place looks great all summer long. You can call them at 1 800 328 9350 or go to aquaside.com. Flashlight check, tool belt check. Attitude.
0: Check. He's going in. Joe Suchere. Guess what today is, boys? The start of the Hopkins Raspberry Festival mm-hmm. begins today. Mm. So come see your favorite mainstay and visit our friends at 30 Bales Restaurant in downtown Hopkins today. The patio is open at 3 p.m. for happy hour. And Ooh. also, uh, I got an email. Thanks to you, Mr. Mayor. CI girl. Let me find it here. Let me find it here. Let me Julia. Find it here. Julia. She in the hub. Yep. Went down to thirty bales and they had the juicy Lucette. Mm, that sounds good. The thick bacon cheeseburger. And oh. Todd's melt in your mouth. Strawberry shortcake. Mm, mm, mm. Julia, I can concur because I had the same meal about a week and a half ago. It's incredible. We're talking about the Scratch Midwest Kitchen, known as 30 Bales Restaurant. Our buddy Todd and Tom, they are the longtime owners there, and they are so happy to be partnering with us here in Garage Logic and thank each and every single one of you. Like we said, happy hour, 3 to 6 p.m., Tuesday through Friday, and also brunch on the weekends, and two patios that are open for outdoor dining, and they can seat 50% capacity indoors. Check out their entire menu online. And if you still want to do takeout, they're more than happy to accommodate. 30bales.com. Let them know you heard about it on the GL Podcast.
2: Reavers, did you say 3 p.m.? Yes. Okay. What did I say? I, well, no, I, oh. I was just double-checking because I'm probably going to be in the neighborhood right around there. Stop now. in. Stop in and yeah. get a Juicy loose set, brah. Yeah.
1: The uh, Barry Weiss uh, situation, you were asking me off the air, do you think that will have an impact on uh, the environment at the New York Times? And I'm choosing to be optimistic and think it could because she's embarrassed the publisher. She didn't didn't write a letter to her immediate supervisor. She went to the top. She went to Arthur G. Oaks or whatever his name is. And
0: this was picked up by a lot of people nationally too.
1: Because that paper quite clearly is not to be trusted. And we've had countless examples over the years. And how can it continue to uh, lure advertisers? Uh, that's a great, yeah, exactly. Because that's the lifeblood. But the, but the larger problem, and we're seeing it, and it's an offshoot of Life in the Salon, which we've been examining just here locally. American institutions, uh, if not already, are being taken over by the left, uh, you can almost name any institution. Uh, journalism, of course. Uh, film. Education. Education. Television. Uh, publishing. Uh, museums. Uh, here's a fellow. Uh, it, it's. And I, I'm wondering if Barry Weiss uh, should have hung in there to push back, but maybe she got tired of hearing the anti Semitic BS. And I don't know why the left has turned on Jewish people. I don't. I don't. I haven't explored that dynamic of our fallen culture yet, but uh, apparently it was so bad that she's going to leave. Uh, maybe she's setting up a lawsuit for workplace discrimination. Mm-hmm. I have no idea, mm-hmm. but that doesn't diminish what she has educated us about—that this it's a become a horrid, horrid place. Now here's a guy, Gary Gerels was Senior Curator of Painting and Sculpture at the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. He resigned his position after museum employees circulated a petition that accused him of racism and demanded his immediate ouster. Can you imagine what his sin might have been? Oh, man, what? Oh, boy. Gary's removal from the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art is non-negotiable, read the petition. Considering his lengthy tenure at this institution, we just ask how long have his toxic white supremacist beliefs regarding race and equity directed his position curating the content of the museum? The accusation that Geralt's choices as an art curator are guided by white supremacist beliefs is a very serious one. Unsurprisingly, it does not stand up to even minimal scrutiny. I'm going to give you another chance. What was his sin? I'll, I'll set up um, the context for you. Okay.
2: Uh, oh, I, I, at I'm,
1: a seminar, uh, according to ArtNet.com, he was questioned about the contents of the museum and how things are picked and whatnot. And uh, white and he, artists, yes, he said. Well, we're going really? to continue. We're going to continue display. Well, white artists. We're we're always diversifying and looking for everybody and women, but we're not going to abandon white artists. So, and for been- that, for that, he's a, a, a toxic white supremacist. Wow,
0: and, and he's
1: not pushing back. He's leaving. It's
0: it's our theory. It's our theory on. Why people don't want to run for office. Why people don't want to be cops anymore. Why people... They just don't want the BS. They're just... The, they're tired of it.
1: The petitioners cite few examples of anything even approaching bad behavior from girls. Their sole complaint is that he allegedly concluded a presentation on how to diversify the museum's holdings by saying, don't worry, we will definitely still continue to collect white artists. Garrels has apparently articulated this sentiment on more than one occasion. According to Artnet.com, he said that it would be impossible to completely shun white artists because this would constitute reverse discrimination. That's the sum total of his alleged crimes. He made a perfectly benign, wholly inoffensive, obviously true statement that at least some of the museum's featured artists would continue to be white. The petition lists no other grievance. You might think that one of the most prominent art curators in the country, with 20 years of experience at this museum, would be able to weather such a pathetically weak accusation of racism, but in the current cultural moment, it appears not. Geralds resigned. In a statement announcing his decision to step down, Geralds apologized for the harm his words caused. Wow. They didn't cause any harm. Wow. He, just he apologized. Over. Yeah, yeah. Uh,. I do not believe I have ever said that it is important to collect the art of white men, he said. I have said that it is important that we do not exclude considerations of the art of white men. Suffice it to say, that's not the language of a white supremacist. Those who say otherwise have stripped the word of its potency. Well, I've been telling the world that for five years. The word, the word doesn't mean anything anymore. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh. The progressive drive to purge lofty institutions of racism and sexism has frequently gone astray in a matter that threatens both free inquiry and common decency. This is from Reason Magazine. I I just, uh, again, these institutions, well, look what happened at the Ford Motor Company. I think we talked about it Monday. Uh, You had a group of employees at the Ford Motor Company who demanded that the company stopped making police cars, of all things, right. to which the uh, to which the CEO at Ford said, basically, get back to work. We're not going to stop making police cars. Or we'll and, find
0: somebody that, that's going to work.
1: Or we'll bring in people that can make them if you don't want to. But uh, Barry Weiss capitulates. Gary Garrels capitulates. Two prominent people in their fields. And, and saying absolutely factual sentences cost them their job. Yep. The truth costs them their job. What is it that Barry said? I, don't, I took her uh, letter off the screen. She said that truth is now preordained to fit a certain agenda. It has nothing to do with examining the facts. And here's a guy who did nothing wrong. I'm sure he's a guy who's bent over backwards to include every possible artist under the sun, every gender, every race, every ethnicity, and uh, I suppose he was asked, "Well, what about white artists? Well, we're still going to have white artists. Why? Why would we not pursue that as well?" Which white is a perfectly man, white,
2: yeah, white women, natives, African, yeah, um, Africa, yeah he, all of them. Yeah. And from what I'm now reading here, he uh, he's not the first to go from that museum. Huh. It, it follows a line of uh, he's
0: the fifth
2: staff member to step down in recent weeks.
0: Do, does the terribly woke community? Realize that they're doing f- far much more harm than they're actually being productive. Do they, I, I don't think the vast majority really get it. That's and
1: that's that's a terribly big problem. Well, here's here's another thing that surprises me, and I have a I think I can uh, make a link to this. I, I didn't know I was going to be this good today. I got to write down <laughs> something here. To uh, write something down here. Here's what surprises me. You would think A.G., the publisher's friends, please look up his name for me, please, yes. the publisher of the New York Times. I'm on is it right it, now. Is it Sulzberger? I'm on OG, it right now. O.G., O.G., you, you would think that his in his extreme circle of wealthy friends. A.G. Sulzberger. A.G. Sulzberger. Artist Oaks Sulzberger Jr. Right. There we go. They've been with the paper, I think, since its inception that family wouldn't you think among his circle of of wealthy friends there would have been someone to take him aside at a cocktail party and said what the bleeper's going on at your paper i read that barry weiss letter and you should be ashamed of yourself do you think he's experiencing that or has he insulated himself with the same woke crowd
0: if it's a family that's been with that paper forever he's surrounded by nothing but yes
1: people
2: yeah sycophants ass kissers
1: okay how about uh uh, every time I I but, think of what, what was what yeah, was right. the C- Sidney Poitier movie where he's the black guy marrying the white girl? Uh, guess who came guess to dinner? Yeah, or something guess like who's
2: coming to dinner?
1: Every time I see San Francisco, I think of uh, I think of the scene where uh, uh, who's the guy? Tracy, uh, the actor? Morgan?
3: No, no.
2: Tracy married to Hepburn. Uh, yeah, I know who you mean. Look it up, Reeves. Okay.
1: It's embarrassing. Oh
2: God, how do I? Oh, this is embarrassing. I just uh, watched a movie with him yesterday.
1: Yeah, uh, Spencer. Spencer. Spencer Tracy's the dad, yes. and is it Marino Sullivan who's the mom? Yeah. Well, I every time I hear of Frisco, I can see them driving. And uh, it was a it was a time of a of a of a more genteel San Francisco, and w- in the case of this uh, Gary Gerals, uh, apparently renowned art curator, wouldn't you think the uh, the real life Spencer Tracy's and Marino Sullivans that live up on the hill in San Francisco would would object to his resignation? Uh, long-time art patrons who would have to put their foot down and say, what in God's name did you allow this man to resign for? He didn't do anything wrong. Where are the, Where's the pushback from the same uh, socioeconomic scale? And why am I hearing such an echo now, Chris? Sorry. I wasn't was earlier in it the was, show. It was probably me. Oh.
2: You know what? You're absolutely right. A, 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 the publisher of the Times, he's got to have equals that sit around in the country club, the Mahogany walls, yeah, sipping sherry, doing what? People that don't have to answer to him, people that aren't sycophants that turn to him and say, WTF,
1: pal. Yeah. Same you with know? the art patrons in San Francisco. What are you doing to this museum that I've donated $250,000 to last year? What is wrong with you people? This man spoke nothing but the truth. What is wrong with you people? I'd fire them. Fire the people who signed the petition. Okay, my link, my link. One of the most disheartening things to think about uh, as we quite literally are witnessing the decline of Minneapolis, which we'll get to here momentarily, more trouble in the parks. One of the most disheartening things to realize is that there is no one left or willing in the city to say to Fry what I want people to say to soulsberger and what I want people to say to the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. Where is, where is somebody to come along and say, look, I've been, I've made my fortune in this city. I've invested heavily into this city. I have been a very charitable contributor to this city and you are running it into the ground and I want it to stop now there used to be that group in Minneapolis. And Pat and I always called them the Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. The Brotherhood. You, you guys recall we, we would oh use boy, that term. Yeah. And, yeah. and what the Brotherhood uh, most principally did was get the dome built, for example. Uh, but what the, what the Brotherhood did, you can say this is for good or bad, but what the Brotherhood did was flex some muscles behind the scenes once in a while, and it helped keep people in line. Well, look, who's going to confront Alondra Cano? Who's going to confront Lisa Bender? Who's going to confront Fry and say, you're turning this city into a, a bleep hole? What the hell's wrong with you people?
0: It's going to take, what, the, the Fortune 500 companies that are still choosing to do their business in the city of Minneapolis.
1: There is no but, more brotherhood. That's the problem. There either but, is no brotherhood, or those who could be considered the brotherhood are intimidated. Joe Anthony might be a guy who could start a new brotherhood. And I'm not... Tr- for you euphorians who love to listen but you can't admit it to your friends by by brotherhood. What I'm I'm not suggesting some sort of white group. I don't care who's on the who becomes a member of the brotherhood. I'm talking about adults as opposed to adult children. Well, wait a minute. You're That's saying, what the brotherhood is.
0: you're saying. Brotherhood. Does that mean you're sexist then too, or can it yeah, be yeah. anyone? Okay. it could be women too. Got it.
2: Well, uh, wouldn't wouldn't money talk? Yes. Where are the poll ads and, and the like? Uh, you know, I I shouldn't be naming names, but. Shouldn't it be the people with the deep pockets, the people the that, employ, tr- that m- employ a hell of a lot of people in this, the, the Target Corporation, et cetera, et cetera?
0: Yeah, the, the United Health Groups or whoever. Yeah, you're exactly right.
2: The, the, the people behind those,
1: those companies. No self-respecting, honest citizen of minneapolis i don't care what race you are i don't care what ethnicity i don't care what gender no self-respecting citizen of minneapolis should should require or seek the approval of either the mayor or those 13 city council people they're beneath you you've achieved you've worked you've been a you've been a responsible adult why are you not speaking up well one of the reasons might be that uh, You know, a couple of guys who could have spoken up were those Dayton kids, but they're, they're just immersed in the mystery. They weren't going to confront anybody. In fact, they closed their building, didn't they? They closed their store. Yeah. Askoff, Finlay or whatever the hell it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and maybe, I've always joked, I'm not wealthy enough to pretend I'm a liberal. Maybe you can get wealthy enough to continue to pretend you're a liberal because you think it's keeping you at peace. You think it's keeping, you think it's keeping uh, bad things at bay from you. You think you're, you're part of the in crowd by being a complete moronic lefty. But there's no more brotherhood. And apparently there's no brotherhood in New York. And apparently there's no brotherhood in San Francisco. And apparently no brotherhood is ever going to materialize wherever the cancel culture strikes next. I do not fear them striking me because I, I, I'll just handle it. <laughs>
2: What what I don't understand you brought up the Daytons, the kids. Yeah. Uh, one of the kids owns a couple of businesses in my neighborhood. I mean, and you're right, they kowtow to the left, but yeah. they are capitalists. Yeah. I yeah. mean they're businessmen and women.
0: Yeah. But is it a situation too where they might have their own personal thoughts, ideas, and beliefs, but they're not publicly gonna share them because they fear retribution?
2: Yeah, they don't want can't they don't want to be canceled. Yeah. Maybe. You're probably right there.
1: It used to be back in the Nixon days you it was coveted to be on the Nixon enemies list. <laughs> right. We've kind of gone completely uh, the opposite direction. Now it's 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 not you're not no one's coveting to be on the cancel culture list. It's just a it's just ridiculous. It could cost you your job as Barry Weiss pointed out in her letter. A lot of these people might keep their mouths shut cuz they're getting a paycheck. Mhm. They don't have the Uh, swimsuit area to stand up for the right thing to stand up for the truth they stand up for the right thing at Schmelz Countryside great deals on new Volkswagens Alfa Romeos and Fiat Schmelz Countryside Volkswagen Alfa Romeo and Fiat right there in the southeast quadrant of highway 36 and 61 in Maplewood and right now uh zero percent for 72 months, with a 120-day payment deferral on all 2019 and 2020 Volkswagens, including the brand-new uh, Volkswagen flagship, the 2020 Atlas Cross Sport. What they'll do is arrange a personal sales appointment from you. This is a multifamily, uh, multi-generational family-owned business. This is their only store. They, uh, they're going to take care of you. Here's what you do. Go to their three websites, SchmelzVW.com, SchmelzAlfaRomeo.com, SchmelzFiat.com Pick out what most interests you and your family. Do your due diligence. Call Schmelz. You'll get your own personal test drive and sales appointment. 651-243-4316 And that's uh, all 2019 and 2020 Volkswagens, including the Atlas Crossport. 0% interest for 72 months and 120-day deferral. Also, 0% interest for up to 60 months on certified pre-owned vehicles at Schmel's Countryside in Maplewood.
3: This is Patrick James, Stephen Ricey for the Canopy Group. As you set out to explore Minnesota this summer, we all hope, think about this. There are 234 cities in Minnesota with populations over 2,500, and the Canopy Group has clients in all but seven of them. Why is this fact important? because the Canopy Group's experience in all of these Minnesota cities gives them a unique edge in getting you the best home and auto insurance coverage at the best price. Remember, the Canopy Group offers 15 insurance companies for a reason, to match your specific situation with the absolute best insurance company for you. This is done for you every year because your specific situation may change. It is also true that the insurance company's appetites might change as well. The experience working throughout Minnesota provides thousands of Canopy Group clients the peace of mind knowing the Canopy Group is working for them. Please visit thecanopygroup.com today.
1: University of Garage Logic 98. College of Self-Esteem, zip, nada, nothing. Here's Joe Souchere. Big backyard.
2: Just for Thank you, Brad. Yep. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, uh, he got us a new deck, and now he's going to get us a new kitchen. I'm talking about GL or Chris Miller, the owner of Aim High Construction, based here in the Twin Cities. He can actually get you anything you need around your home. And How your about ha- a roof?
0: Can you get me a roof?
2: And, and, well, I'm going to get to that in a second. because he yeah, get your sign? T- <laughs> super easy a sign uh, he might have to subcontract that sign yeah. Uh as you know aim high construction they're gonna be remodeling our kitchen uh, shortly here we've picked out the flooring and the cabinets uh, they did the deck last week when we were on vacation turned out perfect wow I can't believe it uh, but yeah speaking of that roof and or siding Chris uh, yesterday we had some storms roll through town I saw pictures of quarter-sized hail on Twitter Uh, so storm damage definitely a thing and it could damage your siding and or shingles sometimes you're looking at storm damage you don't even know what you're looking at it's hard to see with our untrained eyes so if you've been hit recently it'd definitely be worth it to get a hold of uh, or log on to aimhighconstructionmn.com get someone out there with experience that can check things out it's It's really nice. I got to tell you, such a relief having confidence in your contractor and knowing that they're going to do the job quickly and correctly, and they'll work with your insurance company and refine our financing. I I haven't been mentioning that. They offer financing, it's available, so you don't have to fear that deductible. The website again, aimhighconstructionmn.com and like I said design consultation you bet they'll help you out if you're thinking about a remodel or even a new build they'll work with that with that budget just because you're broke like me doesn't mean that the work or the look will be compromised uh, they provided so far they've provided great ideas for our kitchen I'm really excited for it uh, you name it they do it and they do it with pride skill and an eye for detail aimhighconstructionmn.com put your project in the hands of someone who cares about you and the job that's the GLers at
1: aimhighconstructionmn.com Joe in Woodbury who has the uh, 7 year old GLer who's got us figured out Yeah, uh, uh, Joe writes uh, the 7 year old wanted me to send you an email, I got home today and he told me he needed to send you a note Hi, Joe. It's the 7-year-old again. I hope you're doing okay after your break. I'm having my dad type again. I had a good time listening to a lot of the old clips last week. I remembered some from when my dad and I would listen in the car. The Crusher stories sounded like my dad when he is tired. I think they were funny, but I am not sure I would want to meet him. Oh, kid, you would have loved the Crusher, but he's long gone. Most of our house is packed up and ready to move, so I wanted to tell you we will still listen when we get to our new house. Last night we listened for a while and The Idiot's. Side note, the seven-year-old went into a laughing fit after he said this. My dad said I shouldn't call him that, the morons. My dad said I should just call you the guys. They were telling you that you should have put your phone away last week. I know you are really worried about what is going on. I don't know everything because my dad says I'm too young to be worried about what's going on in the world. Every morning I read a book about God. This morning I read that God has a plan. Sometimes it is too big for us to understand. Don't worry so much, Joe. God will take care of you. I like my book, and I think you would like it too. Sometimes I read it, and I feel better. We will check in from our new house, the seven-year-old. Well, kid, thank you. Uh, God's got bigger problems to take care of than just me, Uh, but I'm I'm, going to trust. I'll trust that the plan is there somewhere. Now,
2: It's called faith, Sooch.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, we learned today that if all Americans were to wear a mask in public, the spread of COVID-19 in the U.S. could be brought under control within two months. This is the assertion of Dr. Robert Redfield, director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, who also co-wrote an editorial calling for universal use of masks, uh, Redfield's comments come as more states, cities, and businesses enact mandatory face mask use to stop the surge of the new coronavirus and avoid having to shut down. Uh, he added that uh, because of the combination of the coronavirus and the flu of the fall and the winter of 2020 and 2021 are going to be probably one of the most difficult times that we've experienced in American public health. So here, here's the here's the mask controversy again. I predict walls will will mandate it and. uh, Let's say this is correct. If we wear masks in public, we defeat this thing in two months. Okay. We, okay. Uh, I got one in my pocket. I'll wear it. Doesn't bother me. I don't attach any political significance to it whatsoever. Neither do I. And I, 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 I don't me, understand the. I don't understand the naysayers.
0: But let me ask you a question, because for me, and we we talked about this briefly off the air after the show yesterday. But for me. The numbers and all of the numbers that are being thrown out, I'm starting to really have a tough time believing a lot of the numbers that are being suggested. Because you'll recall, just a few weeks or maybe a couple months ago, Walls predicted that we were going to have thousand dead people every day in July. Right. Well, okay. Uh, so now he's got to buy a you know a fruit factory that's going to be a morgue. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of none of what's been thrown at us has happened. Uh, so I'm sorry, I, I. But I'll still wear the mask. I got a, a wife that works in healthcare, and I do it to appease her. And if it works, it works. And I'm not gonna. If someone chooses not to wear one, I'm not going to look down on them. I'm going I'm to do me.
1: Redfield says, I always say we are not defenseless against this virus. The most powerful weapons we have are face coverings, washing our hands, and really being smart about social distancing. If we all rigorously did this, we could really bring this outbreak back to where it needs to be and shut down transmission, he told the Journal of American Medicine. Well, uh, okay. Okay why would we sh- well we didn't have a president who was setting a very good example until recently he started to wear one but why didn't we do this uh may 1st let's wear masks for may and june and we're done well at that's what first, it sounds like but
0: at first remember fauci was the one that said not to wear masks and yeah.
1: and save those for the health care workers yeah yeah i just uh i just don't understand the uh the, the political implications mm-hmm. Of wearing a mask or not wearing a mask uh, doesn't bother me at all so i what about the closing
2: of businesses I i think it's
1: terrible but the businesses would more quickly open if you could if you could bring the virus to a halt about forcing kids back into school Well, there's a great editorial in the Wall Street Journal yesterday pointing out that there's really no evidence to suggest a kid should not return to school.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that's really being overlooked, and I may have even brought this up the other day, but the the psychological damage that's being taken on kids by not being – the the distance learning, it's not even remotely close to being the same. Kids need to interact with not only their teachers, but – Their buddies and their other—that's how they're learning how to cope with other people in society. It's, yeah, I think everybody knows where I stand on that. They need to go to school.
2: And does your bride agree, Chris?
0: Yes, one hundred percent.
2: Oh, okay, one
0: hundred percent. And I get, you know, that the people that are concerned about well, what about the elderly teachers or the elderly, you know, principals or people that work in the school? I get that, but but then maybe that's a choice that they need to make you know if 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 they're not comfortable going back to work in a school setting then that's a choice they're going to have to make
2: and that's the political arguments i've been seeing lately yes uh, the the mask argument really like Souch, I, I feel the same way you two do. You know, I'll I'll wear a mask in public. I don't give a rat's ass. Yeah, and if I, I don't care, I don't
0: care if, if it's, 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 it's cheap insurance. Right. it's yeah. cheap insurance. And if it's I don't help, it'll help. And Big if deal. I don't have one on me, and I and I walk into a store and it says you're not allowed in. Okay, cool. That's your rule. I'll, I'll just. Plus, for I'll me, there's there's nothing better
2: than a mask, dark sunglasses, and a hat
1: pulled low.
2: No one that can tell just, who you are. <laughs> that, is,
1: that is just my dream come true. Right. There. I know a guy. I know a guy. Friend of mine. Well, uh, I'll just say it this much: He's a priest, and uh, he's got a, he's got life figured out. We were playing golf last week. He had to leave with well, about four holes left. I said, "Where are you going?" He said, "I got i I'm going to a patio party." Hmm. He said, my food budget is down to zero. I just hear about all these parties. I put on my mask and sunglasses. Nobody knows who I am. And I go to these places and eat my, till my heart's content, and then I leave. It's, it's the greatest scam I ever heard. It's the greatest scam I ever heard.
0: <sighs> hey, it's Timmy's graduation, huh? Oh, hey. I'll Next time I saw
1: him, I said, how'd that work out? He said, it was excellent food. Excellent. <laughs> it was just wonderful. Just wonderful. Oh, my God. Uh. One injured in shooting at Powderhorn Park encampment uh, yesterday Never afternoon. Know. Around, around 1.50 p.m., Park Police responded to a report of a shooting at the encampment. When officers arrived, they found a male with gunshot wounds on his arm and face. Uh, his injuries are believed to be uh, non-life-threatening. Sex offender removed from women's homeless camp in Minneapolis. A registered sex offender was forced to leave a small homeless camp for women after Fox 9 investigators began asking questions about his presence there. Was this the Leiden piece? Uh,
0: yes. Because I saw this last night. He, did he a does really a good job, job yeah, doesn't he, he? He did a really good job with this.
1: Uh, many of the women came to the Minneapolis camp last week to escape the sexual violence at the larger encampment at Powderhorn. A man who called himself Ale, as in elder, told Fox 9 investigators the camp was only for women. I'm the security top dog here, he told an undercover producer. I make sure these women are safe night and day. I do this a lot. It's my passion, he said. Mm -hmm. Well, his his real name is Richard Leslie Larson. In 2012, he was convicted of sexually assaulting an 11-year-old girl more than 20 times. Larson had befriended the girl's mother on the Leech Lake Reservation. He got out of prison seven months ago and is a registered sex offender under terms of his probation. He is not to have any direct contact with minors. Uh, Members of the camp said Larson left Monday afternoon when his past was revealed. He didn't. uh, His past... Didn't bother at least one of the residents. L is still L, and he was a good man with a big heart. Everyone makes mistakes in life. You know what I mean? She said, no, I don't. No, I don't, lady. No, I don't no, know I, what you I mean. I don't.
2: Not, not like that.
1: Can you, can you go back to the
0: paragraph about um, why he was in prison and the length of term of stay, please? Can you, can you read that part in, again? In
1: 2012, he was convicted of sexually assaulting an 11-year-old girl more than 20 times. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, uh what's it say here so that was
0: seven years ago and he was out seven months ago yeah got it okay got it
1: (sighs) because it was unknown if larson had any contact with minors he was not issued a violation but his probation officer will now have increased contact with him uh homeless advocates told fox Nine investigators larson was placed in the park as security by his older brother uh, James Cross, founder of the outreach group Natives Against Heroin. Cross routinely claims he's protecting women. Uh, okay. I'm going to stop right there. I have to gather myself. I, I, I need a bike ride. I got to get the eco fun. I, I got to get outside. You need I, a new I, ride, brah. I got to get a new Bintelli e-bike to replace the one that was stolen from me. Taken to a different state, had the serial number filed off, <laughs> registered under a false name. Now they're great. EcoFun uh, uh, Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake on Highway 61 will take care of all your cycling needs, your scooters, uh, Yamaha motorcycles, great recreational stuff for kids, helmets, apparel, service department, which is fantastic because Tim sends a truck through town. He picks up what needs servicing, takes it back to the shop in Forest Lake, straightens it out and gets it back to you for a minimal fee. Now, that's the way to run a service department. Uh, and if you don't like the bicycles, traveling those little scooters that get about 75 miles to the gallon and stick it to the man at the gas pump. They turn every errand into adventure. You know, what? basically what we're talking about is just a lot of fun, fun equipment at EcoFun Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake. Get there yourself. Take a test drive, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. EcoFun Motorsports on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake.
2: yeah i I want to talk to everybody about the 2020 patriot ride but is it rolling right now yes yes it is the 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 patriot ride is rolling such and listen to this i've been reading this copy for the patriot ride for what the last couple weeks chris and it's going to be different this year we're going to build our own teams we're going to pick our routes and then we're going to ride it's going to be epic you can click on patriotride.org and i'm sorry to say that this just occurred to me today such me and you and rook and heck, for that matter, Reavers, we could organize our yes. own
1: Patriot ride. Yes, yes. You've got a scooter. Yes.
2: Matthew has a scooter. We'll put Reavers on a, a, one of these bicycles for the that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And my, my kid has a street-legal dirt bike. We could do our own Patriot ride. That's how cool it is. One of us has got to fly a flag because it's all about thanking our veterans, recognizing servicemen and women, and then honoring fallen soldiers by getting on a bike. And, you know, they say it's got to be a motorcycle. You twist the throttle. But heck an electric bike has got to count that's right many people throughout the years have volunteered to bring this together now it's our turn we're going to do it we're going to show all the organizers volunteers riders everybody that's done this throughout the year that we can do it too we're going to show what we've learned we're going to get on our bikes and baby we're going to ride the dollars like usual all the dollars raised uh, they benefit the Minnesota Patriot Card, the Minnesotans Military Appreciation Fund, and the Minnesota Chapter of Tribute to the Troof- Troops. Uh, that that website, PatriotRide.org. Register your t- team and donate. Do whatever you want. But where do you think, where are we going to go, Suge? I think we got to hit both downtowns. How about Lisa of- Bender's house? <laughs>
1: <laughs> a little bit of parkway action. Just sit out in front of the. Hey, Lisa, come on out here. I got to tell you
0: something. <laughs> and then we'll drop off a snow shovel for a sidewalk. Yeah, here's something you, you can, can use
1: next winter, Lisa. <laughs> you could sit out there and wind up that little scooter. <laughs> now mine's four stroke. That has to be Rook. <laughs> That'll be fun. Anyway,
3: yep. the, park, right. uh,
1: the park and rec board has. Uh, allowed people to live in Powderhorn Park uh where they shouldn't be. Living. I heard that. Yeah, I heard that. There's been gun wound, there's been uh, gunplay, uh, sex crimes, uh, drug trafficking, uh, what have you. Uh, I I don't even know what to make of this. Uh the Minneapolis Park Board is meeting now to vote to repeal a nudity ordinance in the parks. Oh, okay. I I <laughs> Okay, sure. I, 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 I don't. I, I told you I needed to collect my thoughts.
2: Oh, they're so far off the rails. A Minnesota oh. park
1: nudity ordinance is turning heads, and you might see some changes. For Janet uh, Bo, Boner, Bo, B-O-U-G- yeah, B-O-U-G-H- B-O-U-G-H- sense, huh? B-O-U-G-H-N-E-R. How would you say that? Bonner. Okay, French. let's go with Bonner. Let's go with Bonner. Sure. For Janet Bonner and Lee, I need to turn my mic off. (laughs) Yeah, you better. Right, right. Yeah, okay. For Janet Bonner and Lee Lyon, who are regulars (laughs) at Loring Park, a relaxing view of the lake, watching birds and squirrels, is a rather common and welcome sight. However, for these park goers, (laughs) topless transgender people and women could soon be added to their views when out and about in the city's parks. I don't think that I personally will take my top off or worry about being sighted just simply because that's who I am, but if men are allowed to and people are comfortable with it, then there's no reason why women can't be uh, uh, nude, said Barnard. As it stands currently... <laughs> You're, you're really, really uh, underestimating the gravity of this story. I'm sorry. Because I'm going to shame you all into some quietude here in a moment. Okay. Okay. Uh, as it stands currently, a Minneapolis Park Board ordinance, uh, PB2-21 states no one over 10 years or old, older is allowed to expose their genitals, pubic area, buttocks, or female breasts. We call that the swimsuit area. Uh, in a park or parkway. But in a push from Park Board Commissioner Chris Meyer to repeal the ordinance, that all could change. I think it's never bad to look at our laws that may be outdated, said Minneapolis resident Barbara Donaghy. In a post on Meyer's Facebook page, Meyer's the Park Board Guy, uh, he says the only impact the repeal would have is eliminating the language which targets female breasts. Currently, Minneapolis City Ordinance 385.160 allows women and transgender people to go topless on city streets. I don't think that happens very frequently, does it? Uh, But the Park Board's ordinance prevents this from happening in the city's parks. It doesn't make any sense to me that they can be on the street, but they can't be in the park, said Donahue. Myers said law should treat people equally, and in places where men are allowed to be topless, women and transgender people should be allowed as well. Not everyone is on board with the idea of barring it all from the waist up, though, especially when it comes to protecting children. It's up to parents and kids to have conversations about that. That's how we start to break down archaic thinking said Donahue, a change in thinking for some and a shift in cultural norms for others. The fact is we are conditioned to certain things. That's part of our culture, and you can't change a culture quickly. It takes about two generations minimum to change the culture, said Lyon. Who in the hell's Lion? Lyon? He was early on in the story. Lee Lyon. Uh, okay. Uh, it won't hurt anybody. The only people who are hurt are the people who think everybody should be like them. On Wednesday, the Park Board will take its first of three votes needed to repeal the ordinance with the final reading and vote said for mid-August. Well, this is some, one of the most pathetic things I've ever heard in my life. And this woman's, this, Don, this uh, Donahue's thinking is uh, ridiculous. Uh, her, answer to be, her answer to the idea of what effects would this have on children is to say that she would think that parents should start talking to their kids about how right this is. And that they don't think it's right, their thinking is archaic. And you wonder why these 13 losers get elected to the city council. Because there's your constituency. These people are insane. It is all about children. What yeah. about children? Yeah. It Rest my case. Mysterians don't. A, they don't like people. B, they particularly don't like families. And really, really don't ever factor children into their thinking.
2: And unless a child has been raised in a house where nudity is the norm every day and they don't think anything of it, yeah. the, the, the the naked human body is sexualized, unless you're raised like that. And statistics have proven throughout the years that you can't do that to a young kid's no. brain. No, you can't. I mean, they have to be raised from the get-go with a lot of nudity in order to for the human body not to be sexualized. And a 12-year-old who hasn't been raised in that kind of environment, this
1: is going to cause damage, long-term damage. Well, they don't care. They don't care about nuclear families. The nuclear family is also among the... uh, among the victims of the cultural war that's taking place in this country. Uh, you, right now, you can't use powder horn because it's quite literally dangerous. So that park's off limits. Then there's a woman's park somewhere. I don't know where that is. The story didn't say. And now you you might not want to walk the walk the four-year-old around the park at Loring to feed the ducks if you're going to run into all these morons yeah, with you their clothes off. Right. Well, it's... Look, at this is what the park people apparently are capable of handling. They can't handle the dreadful human condition they've created at Powderhorn. They can't handle it. They don't know what to do. But they can take a vote to repeal a nudity ordinance in the city's park system. Boy, right there, Suits, You nailed the, the, it. Boy, th- this is truth. unbelievable. This is... Yeah. How fast people in Minneapolis are you going to allow this city to disappear before your very eyes? But the
0: problem, Joe, is a lot of people do want to oppose this. They do want to push back and no one's listening to them. That's true also. Uh, you know, opposing
2: viewpoints do not get an ear. We had they the do sto- not get heard. Yeah,
0: we had the story yesterday
1: uh, the the city council member that refused to return phone calls. Alon, yep. Alandro Cano, thank you. The one who helped bring up 160 grand in security benefits while leading the charge to get rid of the police department—that hypocritical empty hat—it's just amazing what happened there. It's amazing. And again, I said this yesterday. What has happened is the month of George Floyd has accelerated this. The month of George Floyd has allowed all of us to see under a huge magnifying glass just how that city of Minneapolis is put together and how it really works. Mm -hmm. And what we've learned is it doesn't work. It doesn't work.
2: Back to the nudity for a second. Mm
0: -hmm. This
2: is the opposite of what's happening in Golden Valley where the Golden Valley Police Department is using drones to catch nudity on their beaches. So this is on Twitter, right? And all the response are... Well, here's one. finally tackling the big issues. Here's another one. And they wonder why defund the police is so popular.
1: and all of this.: w- Where was that, Kenny? Golden Valley.:
0: Hey, uh, D.A. What's this drone doing up here?
1: <laughs> so in other words, in other words, the Twitter responses are by people who think it's silly uh, yes. to uh, to worry about nudity, right? Yes. well, it just what it does is automatically tears up the social contract.
2: And I don't think these people are taking into account kids and what that does to a young child's brain that's still developing. Because as for us, me, you guys, yeah, bring it on. Couldn't care yeah. less. Topless, bottomless, big, large, small, tiny, skinny, whatever. Couldn't care less. Get your clothes off. Have some fun. But one caveat. Kids. Right.
1: Kids. In the social contract, which is an unwritten Document. It's, it's like the baseball rules. Yeah, it's it's unwritten. It's and it's rapidly never being adhered to. I would also I would consider that a paragraph in the social contract uh, spell, is, would spell out my responsibility to children in society, and I have a responsibility to uh, to not alarm them. I have responsibility to not harm them. Mm-hmm. I have a responsibility to not frighten them. I have a responsibility to be accommodating to them. I have a responsibility to be helpful. These people don't, these people on the park board, they, they have no concept of a social contract. They're not taking children into account. I'm with you, Kenny. If you want to find some park somewhere where kids are completely forbidden, and you want to go in there and take your clothes off, I don't give a rat's ass. Go ahead. Hell, I'm I,
2: I'm in there. I'm sta- I'm first in line. I'm not and in I there. I don't but... care. I don't <laughs> care who's naked. I don't care what your sex is, what gender. Uh, it doesn't matter. Take it off. Let's have some fun. But you better
1: not harm a child. Kids, kids. Better not harm a child. I'm going to take a drive and go to that park with Kenny.
2: <laughs> Bare ass beach. <laughs> where is it? He's going to be calling me now. Say, uh, I heard Zoman, on the podcast. Uh, uh,
1: no, he's not going to take a drive. He'll take the Roycey walk. Yes. He'll, he'll go 15 miles an hour in his <laughs> car with a it's top, there top a
2: parkway top. by there. Where, where can I get over here? i got to get over here. Sorry.
1: We've already seen Roycey without a shirt on at the baseball field. Oh, God, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's an alarming you sight. Know. It's an alarming sight. And him
0: and Rookie together in the studio when uh, they were mocking Joe. Because uh, you were mad at uh, J.R. Smith for having his shirt off in the Cavaliers yeah, Parade. You know
1: what? And everybody ripped the hell out of me, and Obama joined me. That's right. You two oh. think a lot alike. Uh, me and Obama, man, we were on the right page there. Say, Spencer Grunhofer's been spending a lot of time dreaming up new recipes, adding new products like the Tomahawk Steaks, three inches thick. I heard from a gentleman. Tomahawk Steak that bought
0: a couple of those and said that they are absolutely wonderful. Oh my word! Do you have to share one of those? Can you eat a whole one of those? Oh on yeah, your own? you could. You could. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, they got that new Italian Supreme Brat with mild Italian sausage, red and green bell pepper, That's me. onions, That's me. mozzarella yeah. cheese, cheddar cheese, hot oh. pepper cheese, beer cheese soup, oh, oh, oh. and bacon brats are going strong. Meatloaf is turned into a crazy, crazy first world. Wonderful problem for uh, it's Spencer. Your fault, Chris. I'm it's sorry. They're they're grinding out as much meatloaf as Spencer can can possibly handle, and it goes flying off the shelves. And
0: then he sent me that picture of one that was in the smoker, and which uh, he approves of. Spencer
1: <laughs> approval. Oh. <laughs> I can guarantee you, Spencer's
2: sitting there over the meatloaf counter going two years ago before I met those SOBs. That's right. I, I Why never in the hell did I ever this, get hooked up with garage This logic? what my life has turned out to be. I had a
1: nice quiet <laughs> business going. I had some customers. <laughs> Can't help it, Spencer. They love you. Uh, Grunhoffer's Old Fashioned Meats. It's on Highway 61 because GLers own Highway 61. Right at the north end of Hugo, it's Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. The best in town.
0: Here's a man whose boys are chilled, Joe
1: huh. Souchere. <laughs> so, uh. Hey, hey, speaking of that, yes, talk <laughs> to me, bro. Are you doing a chill, boys? I sure am. I got a text yesterday from a guy whose son is getting married. Okay, and the son is buying his groomsmen all Chill Boys. No, yeah, yeah. what a that's, uh, that's, gonna be, that's gonna be their gift. That's gonna be their gift. What a great gift
0: that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mentioned I was in the, uh, the 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 western part of South Dakota last week on our little mini vacay. I had to go hiking with that woman in the Badlands uh-huh. in a hundred and four degree temperature. What? Yes. What? Two and a half hours. The only thing that was comfortable were my boys, okay? We're then, the, we're, uh, what
1: about your boys, your real boys? They they were with. They were with wow. me,
0: We were hydrated. Dad's
2: the only well, one that's out of shape in honey, that family. Uh, yeah. There's a reason they call it the Badlands, right. honey. That's right.
0: The problem you is she's... in the car with the AC crank. Oh, I, and I said, I'll pick you guys up on the other side. Uh, chillboys.com. Make sure you place your order. They also have a really cool selection of T-shirts, sunglasses, and they have a couple of specials going on right now. Check out their website. They are a local Minnesota company and they ship nearly everywhere in the continental U.S. at Chillboys Brand on Twitter. Please tell them when you place your order that you heard about it on the Garage Logic podcast.
1: Only because they come to us all the way from Mumbai, India, courtesy of Tom Lyman, do I do this date in Minnesota history. On this date, July fifteenth, yep, in eighteen fifty-six, what we weren't even a state yet. The celebrated Norwegian violinist Ole Bull performs in the Capitol Building in St. Paul, a heady concert for a territorial capital.
0: Wait, hmm. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, oh boy, what? Oh wait, I gotta better get the scan bucket ready just in case. I need- so. Yeah. Um how, how did uh, I'm we I think in the same thing. Okay, well, then I'll I'll be the dummy. How did we have a capital building if we weren't
1: a state? We were, we were a territory. You ter- we were a territory and St. Paul was a territorial capital. Okay, thank you. Was
0: that a dumb question?
2: Uh, okay, so dumb. it wasn't the it wasn't the capital building, it was
0: just the capital city of St. Paul. Okay. Well okay. then, you know what? Here I'll only drop one in.
1: That was enough. On this day in 1951, Jesse Ventura is born in Minneapolis. His given name is James Janos, but he would adopt the Ventura moniker at the start of his professional wrestling career. Running as an anti-establishment candidate with the Reform Party, Ventura's defeat of St. St. Paul Mayor Norm Coleman and State Attorney General Hubert Skip Humphrey III in the 1998 gubernatorial race was national news. Of course it was. I was a... Uh, and now I want to ask you one more. Okay. On this day, July 15th in 1881, a tornado kills six in New Ulm. And I want to know how many of these towns you've heard of or are left. Okay. It also blew through Palmyra, Wellington. I've heard of Wellington. That's And Cairo in Renville County, gone. killing 11 more. Wow. Cairo's gone. The, the one and three are gone. Palmyra and Cairo are gone. Is Wellington still exist? I think so. I've, I've heard of it. I don't know yeah. if it still exists. I can look it up.
2: Let the record show. I'm just pulling this out of my fanny, too. I don't know for sure.
1: <laughs> well, I could probably have I've done it. I've got this. a mic in front of me. I'm going to use it. It is now a
0: township, <laughs> Wellington Township. Well, you beat me
1: to it. All it's right.
0: just north of Fairfax, Minnesota. Actually, I have a great Fairfax town ball story. No, for I, don't, like. I don't
1: want any town ball story. Okay. I don't want any town
0: ball. Actually, Royce and I drove through near Fairfax. We went to Gibbon couple of weeks did ago it's off?
1: did you have your shirts off no
0: but the top was down if we roll over we're dying so deal with it he says to me <laughs> did you wear a seat belt uh no that's a negative i did uh, i, I oh. had mine on yeah
1: <laughs> well what are you gonna do yeah all right boys hey how you doing go out there and don't let yourself get canceled no we can't we can't allow
0: that to happen sir Hey, by the way, speaking of Spencer Grundhofer and that Meatloaf Smoker, Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores, they have a deal going on right now. The Weber Smoke Fire Series is available, and I gotta tell you from first-hand experience, you know, you know, it's reavers. I know Kenny, I know Kenny. It's he loves the Weber. I,
2: I, I'm going to start my own line, the Olsen, and I'm going to make smokers out of old refrigerators. <laughs> and I'm going to have uh, I'm going to I'm going to have Fred carry that line. <laughs> the the Kennys.
0: They're going to yeah. be available in the back of the Fredaloni stores. <laughs> oh.
2: Used to be a frigidaire, well, now it's a smoker.
0: The <laughs> Kenny Olson series coming to stores near you. Check out Pod MN for past episodes of Garage Logic, and we'll catch you tomorrow on the Garage Logic Podcast. Bruh. Bow.